0: Hey everyone! Before we get started, we wanted to let you in on an announcement. In a couple of weeks we'll be launching a brand new project called Mountain and Valley Devotionals. Our goal is to continue to create content that inspires, encourages, and equips you to share your own story with other people. These devotionals will dive into scripture and be focused on providing you with encouraging content as well as practical advice when it comes to telling your story. The content, written by our team and guest writers, will arrive in your inbox each month. If you'd like to receive this material, click the link in our show notes and submit your email. Now on with the show. Welcome to the Mountain and Valley Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Kip Wilkinson. This podcast exists to share the stories of everyday people, to discuss the difficult moments in life, the amazing triumphant times, and the journey in between. We all have a story to tell, and we hope that this podcast helps you in telling your own. In this episode, we had the opportunity to interview the host of the Letters from Home podcast, Meg gleesner Meg shares her story and discusses the challenges of being kicked out of her house because of her faith and raising a family that is built on a love for Jesus. We also spent some time talking about what led her to begin a podcast exploring the faith stories of people in her life. But we'll let her tell you the story.
1: My name is Meg Gleesner and I have been married. We just celebrated our 30th anniversary in july and we have eight kids and three grandkids and just two left at home we live in seattle washington we're just busy serving the lord and i'm a stay-at-home mom and i have been doing that for a lot of years our oldest is 29 our youngest is 14. i nannied for a bit and um, i help out with youth at church with 10th grade girls and we also host a life group at our house, and just busy trying to bless and love on all of those in our life and community. I grew up in a home where uh, my parents had a rough upbringing, and they they had a hard start off in marriage, you know, with pregnancy and just trying to figure that out. They weren't ready, and it turned into kind of a bad situation. My mom wasn't treated very nice. My dad turned to alcohol, and then they started off in Tennessee uh, where my brother was born and I was born, moved to Alabama, my sister was born, and then we ended up being raised in Southern California. And they were kind of far away from family, and it was just an awful explosive relationship from the beginning. The only memory I have of my parents being together was when we were all shuffled into a room, and I was just five, and my three younger siblings, and my older brother. And it was Christmas time, and we could hear. I could. I remember the song playing in my head. Oh, Tannenbaum. So it must have been Christmas time. I could hear the song, and I just remember sitting crying on the bed and hearing, um, uh, hearing lots of yelling. So you're just like, oh, okay. Anyway, that's that's my only memory of my parents together. And so my childhood, uh, you know, started off kind of rough. And then we ended up kind of going back and forth between parents, you know. Um, there was a point where my dad had kind of, you know, after they divorced, my, my uh, dad had kind of taken off and my mom was a single mom for a bit. We're on welfare and food stamps. And my dad comes back in the picture, two of the kids move in with him and there really wasn't uh, any religion or faith in the home. Both of our parents were raised Catholic, but I think, you know, things changed quickly. And I, I think my mom was not treated well by my dad. And so people kind of didn't believe her and she just really felt alone in California. And so we kind of grew up. And I think because of that, she went more internal and, became kind of more, more checked out emotionally and when, a, you know, and I was the oldest of three girls with a brother older than me. So I kind of took a lot on the mom role and just, uh, so they kind of went, you know, we, my dad came back at one point and then we, then we lived with him for a bit. It was just kind of, I, I think I went to like 10 elementary schools. And so, you know, uh, you know, when you're involved with youth or you've got, you got people in the family and, and there's there's that there's some families and you're like, wow, they've got a lot of needs. I hope that kid's able to overcome that. You know, and I think of that at church too. I'm involved with youth. And I love the one that's off in the corner, that's hostile. I I just look at them and think, I can't wait to see what God does with this life. And when there's that niece or nephew in the family and you hear someone say something like, Oh, they're going to end up in jail. I start texting that kid and saying, how are you doing? Anyway, you know, I love, I have a heart for the kid that's out on the, the side. And that's my story, you know, is just kind of a needy family. I mean, my parents loved us, but just kind of off on the side. So fast forward to high school and high school I had just kind of gotten this really big fight with my mom. She was broken, another broken relationship. She was married a few times. And um, yeah, one of one of the relationships, there was, you know, more yucky stuff that came up. And so, you know, there's just a lot of things like that over time. So as a little girl, I was very insecure and just, you know, you just kind of feel like you're on your own. You're like inside and you're like, you just go along with the flow with all your parents are saying, and you're just kind of insecure and alone. And I moved in with my dad freshman year after I kind of got in this fight with my mom. I, uh, she blamed me for something. She was all upset, and I just walked out the door, walked seven miles barefoot, stubborn, you know, but determined. And they never really got along, so we would always kind of get threatened with, "I'm going to send you to go live with your dad." And you're like, oh, no, don't do that. Don't do that. So for me to walk out the door and walk to my dad's was a really big deal. When I got there, he was waiting and we chatted and he's like, okay, well, I guess you can live with me. And I remember going in my room, you know, my room uh, and he, he was an alcoholic at the time. Uh, and he had been for 15 years and you know, your choices just don't get better with that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, he's sober now. So, you know, he's looked at some of those things, but I remember thinking, I can't believe I'm here at my dad's. I hated it. We all tried it for one year and couldn't stand it. And I remember hiding under the bed in the room and just crying and saying, why doesn't my mom call? Why won't she call? She didn't call. She didn't call to say sorry. She didn't call. And then I remember, and I was just a little girl and I, I said, I will never let her treat me like that again. You know, like I, she didn't call and she called Saturday and then she said, Oh, do you want to, um, I'm sorry. And I'm like, I'm already here, you know? So I end up more than halfway through ninth grade here living with my alcoholic father who was not there for us. He, he was good in some ways, but, um. And so I was lonely. I was insecure and I remember trying to go back to my old friends group who I had met for one year and I was sitting here in the bathroom as a freshman in high school and my old friends who I tried to go back with were sitting in the bathroom. I'm sitting in a closed stall and there's they're smoking. And I'm thinking I don't want to do this with my life. And so I just kind of opened the stall and walked out of the bathroom, and walked across the campus completely alone and feeling like, oh well, at least I'm not there. And I just kind of walked back and forth and thought, where am I gonna, where am I gonna go now? And so I thought I'll just go to the gym because, for me, sports was a strength. It's something that was kind of the same even though I went to ten elementary schools. I got pretty good at um, sports, uh, and when I'm <laughs> Um, I'll just throw in a quick story, but when I was in fourth grade and I had moved to a new school and, you know, the, the classic line you up and pick you up for sports teams. And I got picked last and I was like, I will show them, you know, anyway, I got up and I kicked, it was kickball and I kicked the ball way past the center fielder's head, you know, anyway, sports has it's been a strength of mine or it was before I had children, <laughs> And so so in high school, I thought there was three things I remember thinking, I wish I could just be in the popular crowd with those girls, those pretty girls. And I wish I was the best at sports and I wish I could please my parents, you know, and I just remember in my little teenage mind wanting that as a goal. And by junior year, I'd kind of gotten all those things. I became MVP on my teams and. My parents were pretty pleased with me. My dad had gotten sober through a huge crisis of event and um, got remarried. My stepmother, um, you know, said, if you don't do something, I'm going to leave you. And so there was a whole situation where he was locked in a room with a harpoon and my stepmother was going to take us. I know, right? My stepmother was going to take us and so he ended up checking into a facility and I remember my brother and I while he was recovering we were just in this house alone for three weeks and I was such a little scaredy cat I'm a very sensitive person and I remember somebody you know it's when everyone used to hang out at the end of the cul-de-sac and you'd be just hanging out someone's like oh your house looks like the Amityville Horror House and I was like I was so scared I was just a and I just remember I was so scared. So I would sleep under the bed and as a teenager, you know, like I packed stuffed animals around me because I was just afraid. I know that's sad, but that's just high school. So, but he got sober and they got married and she was very rulesy and my dad is very controlling and domineering and, um, and also fun he would take us to play volleyball and he taught us to cook dinner but having a new stepmom just added a whole lot to the mix so um so so junior year things were looking you know things had changed you know and I thought wow I'm sitting here now with these popular girls with the pretty girls because some of them were on the sports teams but I was the MVP so I kind of got into their little group and I was sitting here looking at these girls and I was feeling so alone and empty inside. And I remember going to a a dance one, one night and afterward, my dad was going to pick me up, but he didn't. And so I just kind of stood outside and pretended like I had a ride. And I thought, I'll just walk home when everyone goes. And I was going to walk 30 minutes. (laughs) And my friend, there was this one sweet person in my, some of my classes named Sonia. And she said, Oh, hey Meg, do you want to ride home? And I said, "Sure." So she gives me a ride home and we're talking and she says, "So, how are you?" And I was like, "Uh, I didn't even know what to say with that." Uh... And then I just kind of had a moment of spill my guts out to my friend and and I just said, "Well, my friend's situation, it's really bad and these girls, they don't really like me. I'm the fourth wheel and uh." And she goes, oh, well, you should come hang out with me and my friends. And I was like, oh, okay. So I was so surprised because I was sure, like, why did I just make myself vulnerable and share that? Surely she's going to just say something awful or, you know, reject me, but she didn't. So I thought, you know what? So the next day I went and looked for her and her friends. And what I didn't know at the time was Sonia was a Christian and she... And the, the rest of the people were very welcoming. There were different age groups. And it was a group called Campus Life, which is kind of like Young Life in something kind of more in California. Um, I believe it's through Campus Crusade. And so they had like a high school campus life. So I, um, she invited me to hang out with the friends from that. And I felt instantly welcome in this group. And there were some seniors. And different age group. And I was like, wow, this is super cool. And they started inviting me to some events like some campus life events. And um, one thing you learn as a child, when your parents an alcoholic is you learn to just walk around and be so aware of their emotions and what they think, and what they're doing. And that determines your day. And like I said, my dad was pleasant in some ways. There were some good things, but overall, I was it was just always kind of in fear, like, am I pleasing someone? Can I get this right? Am I gonna figure this out? Um, so uh, started going to campus life, really enjoyed it, and I thought, wow, these people are neat. I wonder what kind of message they're sharing and was just really listening and then um getting to know them, but also, not really sure what my dad would think. So I kind of just lied about going to it, you know, cause I, I just wasn't sure. And one night, uh, one of the girls from my old friends group, um, she knew this other girl and we were, I was spending the night at her house and I just thought I'll just spend the night at her house. Cause I didn't want to talk about the whole campus life thing to my dad. So then while I'm with her, there were some other guys at, people there we all went to a dance together and then we all hung out at Roberta's house after and we're sitting here in a circle and one of these guys Lance I remember Lance just opens his bible and starts sharing sharing verses and talking about God and then we kind of all sit in a little circle on the ground and he opens his bible and shares John 3 16 and says would anyone like to you like to give yourself life to the Lord? And there was Christians there and there was my friend Roberta. And I was like, yes, in my heart, like, yes, I heard God's love. And I so wanted to give my life to the Lord. And then he's like, well, why don't, how about you pray, uh, pray out loud and repeat after me. And I was like, uh, yeah, no, I, I was like, I am not, not going to do that. But then I remember closing my eyes and he said a prayer and with all my heart, I just repeated that prayer in my heart. And I I just knew the Lord had come right in my heart. Everyone leaves. And then Lance gave me his Bible, which I kept, you know, uh, through college. And then I lost it. But he gave me his Bible. And they all left. And I... I spent the night with my friend Roberta and the next morning I woke up and I just felt like, hallelujah, a new day has dawned. And I was so excited and I went home with that Bible. And sometime in the next couple of weeks I had thought I should probably tell my dad about this, you know, and see what he thinks. So I'm like, Hey dad, uh, Hey, I was wondering, um, what do you think about God? And he said, it's a bunch of BS. I'm the one who puts the food on the table. I'm the one who pays the rent. There's no room for God in my house. And at that moment I thought, I don't think I will tell him that I'm a Christian right now. So so I, I didn't, and life just continued continued with sports continue with various things i uh, remember reading my bible i got i got a job at mcdonalds um, and i remember bringing my bible to work just a little 16 year old me and someone gave me a dove pen and i remember wearing it proudly on my little mcdonald lapel and opening up my bible in the lunchroom and just thinking wow i get i get to read the bible this is so cool So I just kept growing in my faith in little ways as I went along and, um, graduated and, uh, moved and we we moved to a different place. And my, my, um, stepmom, she had two twin girls from a, a different, uh, marriage. So in the house, it was my brother, Joe and my sister, Kim, and then the twin girls, so there was five of us. And somewhere in that year, my brother was kicked out of the house because he wouldn't look for a job. I mean, kicked to the curb, you're done, just because he wouldn't look for a job. He's had a hard time, Um, but not the end of his story. I I was really good at sports. I was in a volleyball club and I, I was scouted. I was And club volleyball just one year, and I was pretty, pretty good. And I was scouted. I was scouted by someone at a Christian college, Azusa Pacific University. And I went and tested for them, and they liked me. And they called and offered me a full ride. And I told my dad about it, and he said, "You can't go because it's a Christian college." So I didn't get to accept that offer. And at 17 years old, I started college, uh, commuter college, Cal State Fullerton. And I thought, well, I, I picked Cal State Fullerton instead of Cal State Long Beach because I thought I'd have a better chance of walking on the volleyball team there. But all my Christian friends had gone to Cal State Long Beach. So I thought, well, I better find some friends. So I went to Club Week and I signed up for every Christian club on the whole list, and I was so excited, and I went to a Bible study. The first Bible study I went to was one that my husband, Mike, was at, and it was a very small Bible study, but I was like, wow, these people really know God. I want to be like that. And then they're like, oh, we have a prayer meeting next week. Why don't you come to that? And so I went to the prayer meeting, and there was only, I thought there was like 50 people. There was like seven or eight. And it was really great. My life with sports is going to end, but my life with God is not. So I had already talked to the coach about walking on, and I decided to just focus on my walk with God in schooling. So I started really growing in my faith. I was being discipled. We did two-by-two two sharing on campus, talking with students. And um, it was such a, a precious time and one of the people from there invited me to church and I thought oh yeah yeah that, w- that would be great anyway I thought well I better check with my dad about that and I said hey dad uh, I wanted to talk with you about something he goes oh yeah and I said yeah I would like to talk to you about church and then he got this stern look on his face and he was angry he was he was sober but he still had a lot of anger issues and things left over and um he he was just like it's a bunch of propaganda it's a bunch of bs it's ridiculous i um i told him i was a christian and he said i'd rather you told me you were on drugs than that you were a christian and he actually ended up with one of his kids on drugs after that, who robbed, had a party and they robbed him and my stepmom. And you don't wish that upon someone, but as a, as I was 17 and, um, I was 17 when I started college. So hearing that as a 17 year old, wow. Okay. Um, and he said, well, you can go to church once, but if you ask me to go again, you are not welcome to live in my house. And I said, okay, well, I went and I was like, what? This is so great. i am in a whole room full of God's people and we're praising God. And this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. Uh, I, I had to think at that point, what, what do I want to do? I love God's people. That was so great. And I know my dad's not welcoming me and as I was thinking about this and praying about this and hiding my Bible every time I'd hear his footsteps go by, I'd hide my Bible under the bed just because I wasn't ready for that. And, you know, I kind of jumpy and, and I just thought this isn't, this isn't right. You know, I shouldn't be hiding the Bible because I'm afraid. And so I made the decision to talk to him. And so I waited one day for my dad to be in a good mood, and I'm like, "Hi, Dad!" And he always gave the best hugs. You hug, know, "Hi, Dad! Good to see you. Uh, dad, can I talk to you about something?" And he and he looks at me because I think he knew about what. And I said about church, and he's like, "Wait a minute!" And he calls my stepmom down, and we go to my my dad's living room. and They sit are sitting down right on the couch, looking looking at me. My my dad next to my stepmom. I'm sitting on the coffee table. And they said, So, what do you want to talk about? And I said, Well, I went to church and I decided that I want to go back again. And my dad said, Well, you know what that means, don't you? And I said, Yes. And he said, So, when are you leaving? And, you know, I'm overwhelmed with the emotion. I'm just sitting here kind of stunned. And I said, Um, I said, I don't know, or I said, I don't know, and my stepmother looked right at me and said, that's not good enough, Meg, we want a date, and it was a Monday, and I said, Wednesday, and they said, okay, and they, they wouldn't let me say goodbye to my stepsisters or my sister, and I called my mom, who was between another relationship, and said, uh, hi, mom. Okay, hey, could, could I come live with you? And she said, of course, honey. And I said, all right. So I moved out of my dad's house and moved in with my mom and started really growing in my faith. Got to go to church and Bible study. And I was actually at age 17, I was coaching a JV basketball team where I just graduated the year before. And, you know, I, I prayed with my team ahead of time before games. It was a public school. I, I mean, I just was just so excited about the Lord and, um, just growing in my faith and I would try and keep in touch with my dad and like on father's day or those kind of things. And I also, you know, that's where I, I met Mike my freshman year and I could tell he liked me and I liked him and he was a very godly man. He's still the same man. 30 plus years later, I look at him and thank God for my husband. And it started off there at that Bible study. And so I knew, I just kind of thought almost the day I met him, he's the, he's the one. and, and, I think he thought the same thing too, but I, I made a decision freshman year. <laughs> I know I'm a little bit purposeful, uh, but I just thought I'm i am going to wait till senior year before I start dating because I just want to keep growing my walk, with the Lord. And I've had all kinds of a fun upbringing that, you know, I probably need to heal from. So I waited a bit, you know, to, to, uh, to officially date my husband. So, uh, one thing that happened in the midst of all that, my, my dad said, I said, dad, I haven't seen you for so long. How about we get together? He said, you can come over and meet me for lunch. And I said, all right. It's the first time I've been in the house for a long time. And, and he's like, um, he, you know, he he was so clear about just didn't, he's a very outspoken atheist and he just didn't want to hear anything about anything. And, I was just so happy that there was an open door. I was praying for my dad. Anyway, I get to the house. My dad was late. My stepsisters are there. I go in and my friends had prayed for me. They knew I was coming over. I sit on the couch. I'm talking the same couch that, you know, I had been there when I got kicked out. My stepsisters are like, Meg, so what do you believe about God? Tell me about God. We want to know. And I'm thinking, I'm just answering their questions. They ask me. I'm sitting here the first time, not wanting to make any ruffles, wanting to. And here I am with these girls, these sweet twins that I haven't seen twins. And I said, "Well, I'll tell you. Uh, you know, I just answered their questions, and they asked me so many great things. I think they were ten or eleven, or at the at the time. And They said, we want to talk more. And so my dad came home a little bit later and when we went, we had dinner and I said, well, let's go for a little bike ride during dinner. So we went for a bike ride somewhere after dinner. And while I was in this house in the complex, it was a household in the name, While let me start, while I was in the neighborhood, we had biked and we found this grass spot and i'm sitting there with my twin sisters and they had on their knees praying and giving their life sorry guys i'm getting emotional again but uh
2: not a problem it's definitely something worth getting emotional over
1: yeah and i so i i go to the park with the girls and there's this grass spot and we just stopped and we talked more about God and right there in the middle of the park, my my twin step- uh, sisters just got on their knees and gave their life to the Lord. So got to my senior year and Mike and I started dating and it really didn't take long. Um, we dated for three months. And then he told me he loved me and he, he's a very purposeful man who takes his word seriously. He proposed to me two weeks later and we got, I graduated from college a month later and three months later we got married. At uh, My dad's relationship had gotten a little bit better by then, but he did not want to go to the wedding because it was a Christian wedding. So my older brother, Joe, who had gotten saved also. My brother Joe became a believer and he was really had really been struggling. He was, had a roommate, was on drugs. And I'm like, Joe, come with me to church. And so he came with me to church and it's just neat to see my brother's life turn around. He's an amazing fellow. And he's the one who gave me away at our wedding. And we, we used to do tent meetings in, California and the group I was involved in, it was kind of an old fashioned group and we had tent meetings and my mom came to a tent meeting and somebody was preaching the message on, I know there's a woman in the crowd who struggled for years. And my mom said in that closing song, when they were singing the song, she gave her life to the Lord. Um, My 11-year-old brother, Andrew, was visiting my mom once, and I was sitting with him at my mom's place, and I uh, said, Andrew, have you heard about God? And he had so many questions, and my brother, Andrew, gave his life to the Lord also, and he's now married with a child. My brother, Joe, is married to a Christian woman, and they have three kids who I love and reach out to. and so these, these are all things that happen, you know, like in the process while I was dating Mike and all these people were at our wedding and we had a special time. And, um, uh, let's see. So we, we, I just graduated from college also and we had decided we wanted to have a family. I had planned on teaching high school, but, we decided we wouldn't have family. Anyway, I, I was pregnant within a month of being married. <laughs> so, and within a year and a half, we got sent up to Seattle to plant a church. So I was seven months pregnant. We had a one-year-old and we moved up to Seattle to plant a church. And definitely it's it's been such a blessing over the years. I think going back to what I was saying about a kid who might be on the side and you don't, you know, you don't know what God's going to do with a life. I look at my life kind of on the side because it's God's story. It's what God has done in me. It's not, it's not anything that I've done. You know, the Lord says I planted Apollos watered, but I planted Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. And I know he's the one who's been at work. And over the years with the house church, we've seen so many, I discipled so many women in college and saw so many people get saved. Just having a house church, so many lives we're able to affect. And then we have eight children and um, they've all, um, one of our last ones talking about being baptized and um, our son Josiah is wanting to go to the Francis Chan University in Mexico. Uh, He wants to serve the Lord in far off lands. He's very passionate about that and most of our kids are you know different places in their faith journey but um i just feel blessed to think about what god has done in my life and so like i said it gives me that joy and expectation and belief to think of what god can do with a life
2: So you talked about playing sports and enjoying sports. What is your favorite sport to participate in?
1: Well, I I tore my ACL playing basketball with the kids at church about 10 years ago. So I'm a bit more limited in my ability to play sports now. But I do love going to the gym, hitting the treadmill and the free weights and stuff like that.
2: I uh, personally tore my ACL just four years ago playing soccer and have not been the same since
1: it changes a lot
2: it slowed me down significantly so you talked about
0: having a, a kind of a rough family background uh, especially with your dad and i'm curious if that really impacted the way that you decided to raise your own family
1: absolutely uh you you, you take away the things that you appreciate in your parents but for me there was a lot of things that we had decided i don't think we want to go this route or i don't think we want to go this route and my husband is such a loving godly man he's he's also human but that has set the tone for our home and our family and our kids have been loved from birth birth up and each one of them says what a what a sweet childhood they had and how how loving so Yes, it's definitely impacted. We really seek to show the kids love and acceptance, but it's not a perfect journey. We're all sinners and we're all humans and um there's forgiveness is so important and that's something that maybe didn't come up in childhood is people saying sorry. You know, you just get treated badly and there's nothing said. You get yelled at, and nothing said. And I know my dad didn't believe in saying sorry, so you know, when you have a bad moment and yell at your kid, and you ask forgiveness, and you see restoration, it's a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah, I coming out of that though. I do have a follow up question about just your parents. So I know you, you talked about your relationship with your mom getting really reconciled, um, but were you able to reconcile with your with your dad?
1: Good question. My dad, over the years, he has grown to respect my family so much. And I'll tell you what, we used to have a house church and he came inside my house and we had meetings and we had finished out the garage. We had church meetings in there and he was walking through my house and he stopped at that entryway. And he said, there's something weird here. I feel kind of a presence, like something peaceful right on my threshold where we had the meetings um, over the years he had come, come visit us a couple of times and when he came once after our fourth kid was born he said so so what did you what you name or what you have and i said a son dad your first grandson he didn't even remember my kids' names or birthdays, so he's always just kind of been involved. He respects us and loved us, but kind of more at a distance. Mm. So you just take what you get with your parents, and you love them for who they are, and it's a process of learning to um, let to let that go. And over time, and my dad is still, he is still a very outspoken atheist in my stepmom were married for 35 years and a few years ago they started running on hard times they had lived kind of the american dream and had both made six figures all maybe i shouldn't say the financial part they had both done really well and like built their dream home in florida with the giant pool and jacuzzi and palm trees a beautiful home and over time they had and choices they had lost everything and it really affected their marriage and three years ago uh, my dad they were going to separate for a time and he really didn't have a lot of options and we said dad you can come live with us and they were just going to separate for a bit so she ends up moving in with one of my stepsisters who's a believer and then he ends up living with us so the very dad who had kicked me out of the house is moving up from California in his car with all that he could carry in his car which was a couple of computers and Xbox or something it was so sad cuz you don't want to see anyone you don't want to see divorce divorce is painful you don't want to see anyone lose everything they have it's it's very sad but we welcomed him into our home and i can't help thinking of how the lord was thinking of the prayers I've prayed for my dad over the years, Lord, please save my dad. You know, like, you know, you know, I love him. And, and my dad moved in and he was all just kind of like arrogant, just kind of had that posture. And within 24 hours of being in our home that just melted away because he saw the love of our children and Mike and me and Mike sitting there having conversations with him about, working and all those kind of things. So yeah, we've seen some restoration of my dad. He'd lived with us for a year and a half. And he, Oh, he'd also had quintuple bypass surgery and all these things. And his mother passed away who was a beloved grandmother and precious lady to me. She died at 93 a couple of years ago. So yes, there's been some restoration with my dad, but I'm still praying for his salvation. And I know the Lord is working in his heart.
2: So, on the back end of that, growing up with a dad who was more rule minded, um, I guess that'd be a safe way to, to put it. Did that have any effect on your initial thoughts on God and in the Abba Father, and if He would be more of a, a legalistic God or a, a grace filled God? What what did that what painted that picture?
1: I think what I learned about a father is that I just could never please. I'm not, maybe I'm not good enough. I'm not measuring up. Am I doing okay? Am I getting in trouble? There's nothing resolved. And so when I married my husband and he is such a loving man, my husband, and I, I'm not kidding on this, but I remember I was at, a couples thing and we've been married seven years and people are asking questions and talking about all the problems they have in their marriage and, and I just couldn't even think of a question to ask. Like I I didn't even think my husband had a problem with anything because he was so loving and kind. And I, I didn't know he's a human now. I mean you know we have things we we work through but our core values are the same. And when I started seeing early in marriage, I remember once we were in public and I said something and I thought, oh, I didn't say that right. I thought Mike looked at me funny or something. And I, I just remember feeling out of sorts all evening. I'm in trouble. Oh, oh no, I don't feel good until I get this made right. And then <laughs> later on we talked and he was so loving and kind about it. And I just really learned from seeing the example of my husband God's love, God's love. God loves you through a problem. He wasn't mad at me. He loved me. And yeah, so I learned that, oh, we might have to talk about something here and there, but that doesn't change. And of course, going to Bible study and growing in my faith and hearing God speak to me from his word and developing my personal relationship through prayer and going to church. All those things added to my view of God as my heavenly father, my good heavenly father.
2: Um, do you have any advice for someone who has, uh, family, parents, even siblings that are hard to love at times or that are hard to live with because of, um, whether it's alcoholism, abuse, um, or just any type of situation that may be difficult to deal with on a daily basis?
1: I mean, if, if they're in that situation, I think there are resources, there's help. And depending on the severity of the situation, you, you know, you want to get help, but if you're coming from a place of being a strong believer and it's just somebody that's difficult or hard to get along with, I guess, I think the Lord, the Lord loves everyone. The Lord can get along with everyone and call He could have a college roommate, and he would love everyone. He would get along with every single one. So I think with family loving for the long haul is really important. And finding finding the good things that you can celebrate. I mean, my I love my dad. He's he's in our lives. We'll see him. It's very limited and it is what it is. And uh, my my mom as well. You know, you expecting people to be who you think they should be or that your friend has the best friend that's her mom's her best friend and yours isn't and just think but this is what I have and enjoying the things that you have
2: that's exactly what I was looking for by the way thank you for answering it better than I asked
0: (laughs) I have a similar question coming out of what Mike asked Um, what advice would you give to someone who is a believer but their family, especially their parents, are not believers. Well, So we're looking at it more through the lens of faith than just in general.
1: I would say, first of all, someone someone that's not a believer does not have the plague. So we don't want to look at family like a project or like we're better than them. And, and And you think, I don't think I'm better than somebody. But if you're just like, I'm going to go in and I'm going to show, you know. Just like if someone comes up to us and as a believer and says, you know, brother or sister, uh, it's side to side, let's go forward together. So when you if you're looking at somebody with judgment or pride, they're not gonna care less about what you say about the Lord. We're <clears throat> the Lord's hands and feet. And our our lives are, are to represent his love and his care and i think with family what you realize after college and everything's happening so fast well you get married and you're you're engaged kip Uh,
0: i actually got married in september you got married i did get married congratulations thank you
1: what you find is life slows down a little bit with family and your witness is over the long haul it's steady it's showing love it's having your brother in your home, it's having the niece and nephew, it's showing them love and as God opens up those opportunities, you take them and ask about life. That that's that's where my life's at and I view my life as a as a love letter to just all the different areas the Lord has me in with my children, with my neighbors, whether I'm on the bleachers at church. You know, when I'm going to get a cup of water at church and I, I saw this one guy with long hair and a cane in the foyer and I thought, why isn't anyone talking to this fellow? I'm just going to plot myself, hey, how's it going? And we had this great talk about wrestling. Yes. And I thought, what a dear fellow. I feel so blessed that I got to meet him. And hopefully he felt blessed that I went up and said hi as well.
0: Yeah, I love it. I have I have a lot of... uh family who aren't really believers. And I've found that, you know, me and my wife had a lot of talks about it. It's just, we just want to love people. Like, that's all it is. And, like, I love what you said, not looking at people like they have the plague. Um, But just just love them. Like, that's all it is. We're all people at the end of the day. And that's what it comes down to. I love it. That's great. I love that answer.
2: So something that you talked about um, really resonated with me because I feel like... (laughs) I feel like this is—it's a, a good story of how Kip and I met. Is you're looking for the kid by themselves, the kid in the corner. Um, at one point, that was Kip, and he had just moved to town, didn't really know anybody. And I, I don't say that to put him down. He's—he's he's my best friend. Um, but what advice would you give to someone who may not know how to start a conversation with the person in the corner, the the outcast, or the person that just may not be comfortable talking to for the first time? That's a
1: good question. Well, I'm, I'm not an expert and I just, I know with the youth, I just, I care about them. And, uh, you know, sometimes you hear about kids heard about a couple of kids over the years. Oh, this is the problem kid. That kid is, and I'm like, where are they? I want to go talk to them. <laughs> and, and so I go out in the hallway and just say, oh, hey. And then I say hi and just see how they're doing. And I know that people hear and they feel and they see your face. And I went to this kid's activity. And this kid was always so, so quiet. Said, are you really going to come and drive an hour to come see me do this? And I said, yes. Oh, so many people have talked about it, but no one has ever actually come. And so I just listen and spend time with them and try and be where they are. And and I pray for them. I pray for them. And so I think that prayer on your heart and being led by love and compassion and the things that we serve and what we're doing, the Lord leads you. And you don't need to have the perfect plan or words because the Lord is going to lead you
0: so what would you say to someone whose parents do not support their faith maybe someone walking through the same situation you did where they're almost being persecuted and kicked out of the house even
1: i remember when someone said when i was in college and i was trying to decide what to do about my dad and i said my dad will never get saved and then this fellow said, Meg, don't, you know, don't say that he, he might get saved. And, um, I think know that God is at work. And sometimes the people that yell or put up the most fuss, it's because they're afraid of being vulnerable and what they think. And I was talking to, somebody I really respected early in my youth. And he said, you know what your dad needs? Your dad needs to become as a little child to receive the kingdom. And I remember thinking that would be a funny thing to say to my dad. But I remember on my next conversation with my dad, I said that it's like a little child, a little child. And I do think people see and hear, and they see the Lord in you. And so to be patient, to be loving, and to know that God is working in the long haul and no prayer on our knees before God is unheard. And he wants to pour out blessings from heaven. As he has, he has the heavenly storehouses, he wants to open up and pour a blessing. So whoever's unsaved, or if you've got that hard-hearted youth, um, there was one youth group that I was helping out with and some of these kids seemed so hard, like nothing was happening. And you just keep going out and reaching out in love. And you know what? They grow up. And a few years later, one of these girls came to me, her her, her mom came to me cause I'd gone out with her, taking her out to a sporting event or a couple of things. And she just said, you have no idea. You've made a difference in this girl's life. And this is one who I'd hug and she was like a little stiff pickle and wouldn't like reply and I just chose to let go. So what I would say to somebody who's got family that isn't saved is to keep loving them.
2: The Bible study that you met your husband Mike in during college, what role did that specific Bible study play in your spiritual growth?
1: Once I was free to just read the word and go to Bible study, I just got to really give myself to it. I'd go to Bible study once a week at campus. I went to a prayer meeting once a week. We did two by two sharing on the campus. We it was such a blessed time of fellowship and growth and being with God's people. And that made a huge difference. We had a little book table where we put flyers where people could pick something up to see if they, you know, want to read about God. And that was very transformative for me to see what I wanted. Uh, I'll say that was very transformative. Just facing, oh, I have to stand out here and share, share the gospel. And I also joined a pantomime group in college. Total '80s retro. People don't even know what that is now, really. But we would go on different college, and Mike was in a Christian band, and so he would go to different colleges and just do a performance kind of out in the quad or something and share some Christian songs with some fellas. I was at a pantomime troupe, (laughs) a little insecure shy me who was not good at putting the face on, but somehow I was in this group and did these little things uh, where we would do that and draw a crowd. And then we'd say, and we have a Bible study off in the, off in the room or hand them a flyer. And it was really transformative. And you know, all those people were, and our weddings, the people that we serve the Lord with. And I also had lived with my mom for a year or so. And then I moved in with a Christian family from the church. And that was an incredible source of fellowship. I got to see a healthy relationship and healthy parenting. And I lived with a few other Christian women and I had like household chores and we had this beautiful life together kind of situation. The people that we served with are the people that we lived with. And when we got married, we had college students living with us as well and would teach them how to study the Word. So we kind of have paid it forward and spending time with people, and you learn those things and teach your children those things, and it becomes part of your life.
2: That reminds me a lot of the phrase that I, I firmly believe in is God doesn't call the equipped, He equips the called. And just thinking about how you grew up in, a, a, I would say, at a disadvantage in a spiritual sense because your family didn't, you didn't grow up in church, you didn't grow up with the ability to study and, and learn the Bible. And to see how God has taken your specific story and impacted so many people through the years to even planting a church, it just... It blows me away to think about how God often takes people who you wouldn't expect and does these miraculous things. So
0: we met you through Instagram uh, because you host a podcast similar to our own podcast called Letters from Home. So could you tell our listeners a little bit about what that is and how you started it?
1: Sure. Sure. I hadn't even heard of what a podcast is and it sounds silly, but when Anthony Bourdain passed away, I wanted to hear more about what happened and I was Googling it and it sent me a link to a podcast and I was like, Oh, so I was listening to that on my phone and cleaning up, cleaning the house. I thought this went by so quick. I want to find more podcasts and I started looking for Christian podcasts and I I couldn't find a lot of things. I know there's a lot of things now. Praise the Lord for that. And when I was looking, I started looking up a bunch of big names because I had been following some big name people on Instagram from a conference I had gone to. And I started listening to some of those podcasts. And I thought, well, that's nice. But some of them were doing like, you know, various things, home styles, home decor, and a little of this. And I thought, oh, I thought, you know what really encourages me? is testimonies. And I love hearing how God works in people's lives. And then I thought while I was sitting at home in the kitchen cleaning up, maybe I should start a podcast. And then 30 people came to my heart and mind of great everyday people with extraordinary faith stories that inspire me when I think about... And I just thought maybe the Lord would use me
0: to tell their story. That's great. Obviously, we had a very similar thing. <laughs> it's great. Um, where did the the name Letters from Home come from? Still my question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I started praying about what should I do? How how should I title it? And wanted first of all the approval of my family and we were spending time out on our deck. We have a good time just hanging out together. And last year we had three of our boys with us. So I was sitting there with my husband, three sons. What do you think boys? What do you think of this idea? Mom, it's a great idea. Well, you have my support and all the boys were trying to help me think of, and I said, I just wanna encourage people. I I want these stories to encourage people And then they were thinking, oh, like, should it be a vine or this? We were thinking of all these different things. And I just so was happy with all the encouragement everyone's giving. When everyone went to bed and then it just popped in my heart. Second Corinthians three, three. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us written, not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. That each of our lives is like a letter, and that I thought each of our lives is a story, and it's a it's a letter coming down from heaven that he wants to open and encourage each person with. So the letters from home is more letters from heaven, and my daughter Hannah did the artwork with the dove pulling the rainbow from the sky with the letter coming in the gray clouds to encourage each believer in their home. So. And then, yeah, then we wrote the intro and the outro, my my theater son said, "So, mom, tell me all the thoughts." He sat down with a piece of paper and had me anything else. I said, "Well, encouragement." And I said In a story." And he helped me encapsulate what solidify the burden for the intro and the outro, and my sons wrote the music for it, and my daughter, our daughter, Eden, is reading second Corinthians three three at the end of the episode. and Uh, Hope this isn't too long to throw in. If it is fine. When my first episode got on the airwaves, it had just been received by iTunes and we were in the car and listening to it. And it was just such a special, precious moment from three months. We got our first episode out and I was sitting on the same deck with my kids and my husband And it was a clear sky. And then my husband said, Meg, look at this sky. There's a a heart cloud in the sky. And I said, what? And I looked up in the sky and I'm not kidding. The only cloud in the sky was a heart cloud. It's like the Lord was confirming to me, Meg, I'm leading you. I'm blessing you. You have my, it's like the Lord sent me a letter from heaven and I have a little heart on the envelopes stamp, but God gave me that, just that sign from the sky that my husband and my sons saw.
2: That's really cool. That's a way better answer than I was expecting. That's incredible.
0: I love how it sounds like it's been a very big uh, family project.
1: It has been such a big family project and I just started something where my husband, a little teaching moment with Mike and he's on my first bonus episode and yeah my son was the first interview that I, I did our son was and every single all eight of our children and three grandchildren are all in the bonus episode I did that I put out in January a little tribute to my mom a little bonus episode about heaven and it is a family affair, and I'm so thankful for that. I feel incredibly blessed. And inc- just like the Lord's smile is upon me, leading me. I told you guys I'm doing this most all the day of the day is just me <laughs> and a microphone and my iPad. But God can work when we have those dreams and you know, the Lord leading us. So I hope... I- hope your listeners that they have something that's on their heart that the Lord's leading it's amazing what he can do if we just step out in faith and it's a little bit scary and a lot of things to learn but it's very exciting
2: couldn't agree more with that that's that's very similar to how we felt about this whole process and it gets overwhelming at times but you have to stop and realize that you know God has called you to do something and and there's no better place to be than obedient in, in his will
0: If people wanted to find uh, Letters from Home, where should they go look for it?
1: Well, it's on lots of... Thank you for that. Uh, It's on, I think, almost every platform. iTunes, um, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and it's Letters from Home Podcast. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. And my email is lfh podcast at gmail.com and i want to honor god if there's anyone who wants to start a conversation about the lord i would be so glad to reply to any email jude 24 and 25 now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only god our savior Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Mountain and Valley Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on social media. Just search underscore MV Podcast on any platform. Again, that's underscore M as in Mountain, V valley podcast this podcast was created and produced by kip wilkinson and michael horvath this episode is mastered and scored by j.a parkey thank you so much for listening go tell your story
1: raised that a little stuttering there, but um, I had to really think about uh, <laughs> you cough, you need to cough.
0: <laughs> so, yeah.
1: It's always fun. We've we've had yeah doorbells and a- airplanes in the middle. I want to do an episode on bloopers sometimes because I think that'd be super fun. <laughs> um,
2: that myself and keeps getting <laughs> shot down. Throwing some <laughs> coughs
1: and some doorbells and some crying kids.